You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday, so it's time for Shapiro World with David Shapiro from Sassarin Securities. And David, you're just down the road from the BRICS Summit, which starts... When does that start? Tomorrow? (laughs) Yes, I think tomorrow through to Thursday, as far as I know. I read a very scathing article on Bloomberg about BRICS being an irrelevance. (laughs) and They went through the, the reasons why. Etc. And obviously, Putin's not going to be there as president of Russia, which is the R in BRICS. He's going to be on a, a video link. Otherwise, he'd be arrested. Oh, well, that's what they say anyway. <laughs> but the, the BRICS are, are interesting because BRIC was BRIC without the S was a term mm, mm, coined mm. by Jim O'Neill, the chief economist of right. Goldman Sachs in 2001. And it's almost like a marketing campaign. He's probably said to his people, listen, let's get this brick thing together and we'll get an ETF or a, or a unit trust or whatever, mutual fund together with the brick nations. And then a number of years later, they added the S for South Africa. It just seems a little bit irrelevant to me. What about you? I, it, it, well, when he did it, in fact, he just wrote a paper. I don't even think he put anything together as an investment uh, case, he just put a case. He said these are the fastest growing uh, countries, you know, and fastest growing economies, which at that stage was Brazil. I mean, remember, you're talking about the early 2000s, Russia. Uh, Russia was only 10 years out of uh, the fall of communism. India and China, you know, but all of those were fast, fast growing countries. And he just saw them. I don't even know whether he said they were attractive. You know, he just said they're going to grow. And then I think the countries themselves said, oh, this is quite a good idea. Let's all get together. But, you know, nothing has really come, although uh, a lot of people will argue against me and say, well, uh, this is a, you know, we're putting these nations together together. Um, simply because they've been ignored by the rich countries where it comes to the IMF and the World Bank. They haven't got quite the say of the rich countries, and yet today they make up uh, 20 to 40-odd percent of the I – think, I think I don't know what percentage of global population, a big number, um, but they make up quite a chunky part of global growth. So um, I don't know whether any, you know, when I look at it, I say, what has China got in common with Russia got in common with India got in common with South Africa and all the other nations? You know, yes. there's such different cultures and such different authorities. You know, I'm not they, they're all together. I can't, I can't, you know, India, China, uh, Russia, all in Asia. But I mean, different backgrounds, different everything. So. I, I, don't, I don't know what they hope to get out of it, but a lot of noise is being made here and uh, a lot of talk will take place and they'll all sing Kumbaya and, you know, swap business cards and so on. But mm-hmm. is it going to – Yeah, you know, Lindsay, I can't make out whether it's really going to change the uh, – what's it, the, you know, the axis of the earth. I don't know. Um I don't think so. I mean, as I said, it it was a cute idea Jim O'Neill put forward and then people latched onto it and then it went from brick to bricks and everything. But it's just another little grouping of nations to try and get together and maybe lower trade tariffs or something like that. I don't know because it bores me, quite frankly. But maybe it's that. It seems irrelevant to me. Mm. Well, you know, know, I, I, I actually spend quite a bit of time, I must admit, this weekend, uh, uh, I was either watching football 
I was watching rugby. I was watching women's soccer, which yes. I find boring. I must tell you, sorry. No, I no, no. Yeah, we'll, we'll come to that later. But anyway, <laughs> I, I, I loved it. I loved the the atmosphere. But at the end of the day, I, I don't know if I could. I don't know if there's the intensity that uh, one wants. You know, it's attractive. It's very. You know, anyway, I will go there. You know, I, I, I don't want to become. Uh, an outcast or anything. I loved the tournament. I was shouting for Australia because, uh, Why? you know, I've got kids there. I've got brothers there. I've got grandchildren there. That's no excuse. Mad soccer. <laughs> no, not against England, against, uh, uh, you know, they were playing Sweden. So mm. um, anyway, but um, so, and, and I also did a lot of reading. I just, put my head down and read. Yes. And and I read with a view of saying, where am I going? You know, uh, I was quite upset by last week and it was really, I started to see markets fall and I wanted to just either comfort myself and just go through numbers and say, you know, am I on the right track? Am I, should I continue to pursue what I'm doing? Mm. And why, why bring this up against the brick issue? I'm saying nowhere along the line have I said, oh, you know, I've got to go into Russia. Oh, I've got to go into China. Oh, I've got to go into South Africa. You, do you understand? Yes, everything I that I was focused on, everything that I was focused on as an investor and uh, as an investor of other people's money, it's not my money, It's uh, I look after it for other people. Everything that I was focused on was was not, you know, was Europe, um, was mainly America and so on. And there was nothing that said to me, oh, you know, this is going to open opportunities for you. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, all right, maybe my, I don't know. So I didn't come out with, okay, nice story. Um, good for African nations. Hopefully it will promote growth. But I, I don't know if you can, you know, if you want to get this world going, if you want Africa to get going, they've got to move out. They've got to modernize, you know, in terms of where the world is going. Everything I read was around technology, whether it was medical technology, whether it was AI, whether it was digitization. You know, it was all along those themes. And uh, we've got to get into that area. We've got to lift ourselves to get into that kind of area rather than becoming farmers and miners and, you know, uh, or putting a bolt and a screw together or something which becomes part of a larger project. Um, I'm, I'm being a little, what's the word, uh, you know, uncool now, but I mean, that's what, that, that, that's how I came out of it. Okay. You know, and then got caught in traffic this morning. Well, that's, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the one thing, the, the, the one, the one BRICS conference thing that is, is going to stuff you up, David, and that is yeah. the road closures around no. Santon. Because is President Xi coming or has he sent representatives? Do we no, know? he said he's coming on Thursday, supposedly. He'll arrive on Thursday for some kind of summit. I think he needs to make an appearance because China is coming under such pressure economically now. Um, it's taking a lot of flack from investors. People you know, believe that growth is slowing. There are a lot of problems economically there. Their housing market is, is under extreme pressure. Um, and, and you can feel that there's uh, unrest. You yes. know, there's, there's unrest there happening. And uh, I think he owes it, you know, to his people. And uh, I think he's trying to improve his own image by coming here and saying, look, you know, I'm a nice guy. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know whether Ramaphosa is the right kind of person to get close to. Uh, 
you know, um, he's he's trying to make, Ramaphosa's trying to make speeches now to reconcile everyone for the first time last night. They almost admitted that the, the whites, the coloreds, the Indians, you know, and other minority groups have been marginalized. And uh, um, I don't, you know, he's got to do something about that. But this is all political, you know, it's, it's, it's politicizing and, or political rhetoric in order to try and make sure that he uh, retains, you know, the presidency. So That seems like a shoe. But, in, but... I know. I've got to tell you something. And Go this on is then. Africa. South Africa is best. Uh, on the way, um, we're in 140 West Street. Now, West Street is uh, right opposite the Michelangelo entrance of the, or Santa City entrance. It's, it's in the heart of Santa. Okay. Uh, we're diagonally across the road from Train. I mean, literally, call it a, across the road in West Street from Next Gautrain. to that hotel, now, which is the, what is it, the Radisson or something? The Radisson, yeah. right, yeah. Yeah, you've got the Radisson is diagonally opposite Train. Now, a lot of people going there. Now, for the last two years, I promise you, for the last two years, that West Street and Ravonia Road, I call it, you know, it's a kamikaze intersection. It's, when I get there, I close my eyes. I just close my eyes and and just drive. And I drive through in the hope that I can get across without someone smashing me. Because any children listening, gone. of course, any children listening <laughs> should not take David Shapiro's advice on driving, but on investments. So, yes, sorry, well, carry on, well, David. Why do I do that? It's because the robots haven't worked in two years. Been, the traffic lights have not worked or been fixed in two years. Okay? And, and I promise you I'm not... Exaggerate. Two years. So, yeah. So you've got to, yeah, two years. You've got to negotiate your way against this. This is how trade. Okay. You, this is Radisson. People are continually getting off, crossing a road, and, you know, there are many, many taxis around there, etc. Mm. So when I go there, you have to have the courage. If you're a young, inexperienced person, you will freeze at the corner because you won't know what to do. I just say, okay, boys, I'm crossing. Get out my way, <laughs> you know. Get out my way, <laughs> fly, you know, and and I and I make it across the road. And every time I do it, I breathe a sigh of relief. I made it. It's like it's like going through a minefield, you know. What I mean, it's like <laughs> you run across with the hopes that you don't explode. And this is just a block away. You, this is just a block and a half away exactly. from the Santa Convention Center where the BRICS summit exactly. is occurring. Totally, but there is so there's not even a so this morning I go through because I'm on the way to morning meeting, I, nothing same as normal. No, anyway, lots of poli not police. I don't know. I saw very strangely must be uh, strangely gad people. You know, I mean, in 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 dark uh, khaki grey, but a very dark green. Sorry, it's almost an olive green. Uh, overalls and with black berets and they looked like some security force. Yeah. I don't know. Lots and lots of people there, but no cops. No, no one directing traffic. And, and I thought, hold on a sec, one day to go, surely they could have got new globes and put them into the robots, you know, just to make sure that something's working. Anyway, on the way home, there were two traffic policemen there. There were two metro cops there directing traffic. Now, they can't do it. They can't do it 24 hours a day. You know, you can't have someone standing there 24 hours a day conducting traffic at this centre. And I said, you know, God, here we are. That's BRICS. That's South Africa. If there's anything that's kind of a signifies where we are, is hold on a sec, man. You know, okay. <laughs> do something. Clean, clean the place up. 
Well, David's come on now. It's, yeah, it's just deteriorating the whole time from the anecdotal <laughs> evidence I have from you and <laughs> other friends in South Africa. But anyway, before we get to the JSC, let's talk about the general yeah. market because the S&P has yeah. gone from yeah. above mm. 4,600 mm. to, well, on Friday, mm. it was most of last week, was below 4,400. It's now poked yeah. its nose above mm. 4,400. I'm talking about the futures mm. market now, which is what I watch is more accurate on a minute-to-minute basis. Oh, it's just gone below 4,400 again. Mm. I'm sort of getting the feeling that maybe the worst is over. It's the Northern Hemisphere mm. summer and quiet mm. volumes, etc. Mm. I do believe that more than 200-point fall in the S&P is just about enough. A nice little correction yeah. so people can start to load up. I'm getting more and more optimistic yeah. about the last part of 2023. I think so. I think, I think the fact that it's just started to settle down today is a good sign. Mm. Uh, I, you know, it, it was nervy last week. I think the market dropped about 2.5% or 2% on the S&P and the NASDAQ. It was a little more, but one would have expected it after the kind of gains that we've seen. Uh, interest rates knocked up. I mean, bond rates went up. And the whole discussion last week is can, you know, can the U.S. economy survive on a 5% or how will it uh, look you know, if interest rates go up to 5%? So that was the big discussion. But today, for reasons that I cannot explain, which it's just come down, because I've been looking for the reason. So, okay, what, what stopped last, year, last week's run, you know, a negative run? What stopped it and what has turned it around? And there wasn't anything really significant. Uh, you know, the commentators are saying, oh, Friday is uh, Jay Powell's going to talk at Jackson Hole. And normally before a talk, markets get optimistic and, you know, things like that. Thought, okay, well, that's not real reason. You know, that's no. that's a bit tame. That's a bit lame. And and uh, rates have come off their highs and uh, dollars easier slightly and so on. So, I, But I think I agree with you. I think I don't I don't think we're going to run away. But I think the other thing, Lindsay, the other thing which which I found important, whatever I read, again, was shifting towards what's coming. You know, the digitization, um, artificial intelligence, all these themes are playing out uh, even stronger. And what impressed me this weekend is that um, the people talking about it or, or the articles that I read, it, it wasn't some pimply kid with a CFA you know, who works for Goldman Sachs or uh, one of the big investment banks giving his view. These were industry experts, you know, chaps at MIT, people in uh, such an Adela, um, you know, people who are intimately involved with what's happening and gearing them their, their uh, businesses up for it. I think that's what I found, um, you know, um, attractive, that, listen, take this seriously. And there were a lot of explanations about why it's going to change. And that I found encouraging. Yes, it is encouraging. Yeah. And I, I think mm. that come September, people will take a fresh look at the market and say, yeah, we like this now. Let's have a go at it. Yeah. So it's a healthy correction. And why shouldn't it be? So very good. David, let's have a look. At, I want to pick you up on something that you said earlier on, but that's later in the conversation. Other people's money. I want to talk to you about yeah. that briefly and philosophize on that concept, yours versus theirs. 
Uh, but I want to look at Tungela today. I saw a tweet this mm. morning quite early after the results came out, and I looked at the results and I thought, goodness me, they've cut their dividend from 60 rand a share yeah. to 10 rand a share. Mm. And uh, obviously it was all built into the market because actually the share price is up 1.5%, I think. It, it is up, but uh, I think you know, for the last six months or so, even longer than that, it's just been heading one way. Remember, this is a share that uh, about a year ago, I think it hit its height of almost 370 rand a share. Yeah. So, you know, from from last year this time uh, to where we are now, it's, it's where is it now? One, one thirty-five. So it's, it, it, it's less, you know, it's halved. It's more than half. Sorry, much more than half. You're down uh, almost 200 rand a share. So a massive, massive fall over the last year, which reflects uh, what's been happening there. The, the, you know, the coal prices have come down. I think they did mention in their results, um, you know, from, a, I don't know, from about, I think it was $300 a ton. If I, I don't know how they quoted or $3,000 down to uh, almost a thousand, whatever, whatever the, you know, it's about a third. Yes. And of course, again, that I saw that in Exara. Sorry, I picked that up in Exara's results. Uh, you know that that their their um, their sales price was like a third of what it used to be, and therefore, because of that, they couldn't use the trucks. You know, it was becoming too expensive to put it onto a truck and send it to a harbour. So I, I I picked that up, and I think this is a similar case. I think the the uh, it's 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 really been falling. It's stabilised over the last two or three months, but the trend is still in a neg- you know it's still declining. It still looks like under pressure. Yeah. The coal price. Looking at my graph now. Thank you to the CRB index site. Excellent site. There you are. It was four hundred and fifty-eight dollars per ton in September two thousand and twenty-two. Now I'm no, thermal. I, this is I, thermal I'm, stuff, eh? I'm no mathematician, but that mm. is less than a year ago. Yeah, and it is yeah. now $149.50 per yeah, ton. Yeah. That's a huge move. Massive. It's a third massive. of what it was a year ago, yeah. less than a yeah. year ago. That's, yeah, it's massive. So um, I think they, they're feeling the pain. The, the other thing they did, which came under huge criticism, is that they wanted to buy this mine in Australia. Mm. You know, and I think that was arrogance. We're making so much money. You know, let's uh, let's expand our operations. <laughs> I don't know where that's gone. That's a familiar but, uh, story, that, isn't it, for South African that's companies? Very familiar. It's a kiss of death. Yeah. So they've got cash. They're paying a dividend. Um, I think a lot of the damage has been done or already priced in. But uh, you know, you've got to work out where does it go to from here. You know, can they continue to? Uh, uh, will they build up? Are coal prices likely to to increase? I'm not sure. Do you know what I mean? There's no evidence that that this is all going to turn around and and go through the roof again. I don't think so. So I'd, I'd be very skeptical, especially when when we were buying it for dividend, and uh, you know now the dividend's being cut, uh, which is a reflection of of cash flow and increased costs and so on. So, uh, yeah, I'd be surprised. It did start off lower, but I think with the rest of the market, with Bulletin and Anglos and Glencore and a lot of the other companies picking up, uh, the iron ore companies picking up, I think coal price, you know, these shares have just picked up, I think, on on the back of that sentiment. Okay, it's part of a basket and people press the buy button when they're sitting in London or Frankfurt or Paris or wherever it is, New York. And they say, right, and Tungela's part of that. Okay, good. Mm. David Kuro came out with some numbers as well. 
Yeah, it's, it's too small for you, isn't it? it? You know what? I've always watched the company because I've been fascinated by uh, how people will pay, under pressure will pay for education. Mm. And there was a stage in which they were very expensive. But they seem to have got the model right now. You know, it's stabilizing. I think they're filling the schools. I mean, just to explain to people who don't understand, you buy a school or you build a school, you've got to fill it with pupils, you know, and uh, uh, you don't get the returns immediately. Um, you can't fill the classroom straight away. So it takes time to, to actually get the return on the amount that you've laid out. But they seem to have been, you know, they, they're pretty steady now. I think it's a good operation. People who go to the schools are always impressed by uh, what they do get. So to put it in a simple term, it's it's cheap private schooling. You know? or, or, or say I'll say it again, affordable private schooling. Yes. And a nice model, a very, very good model. So, yeah, it's it's good. They, they came out with good numbers. Mm. Yes, I did. Okay, David, let's talk about what I brought up just earlier on, because you were talking about other people's money. It was a great film, yeah. incidentally, starring Danny DeVito and Penelope yeah. Ann Miller. It was a great, great film, really good fun. Other people's money. I urge you to go and, and, and find it online or, or something. But uh, the point is, I wanted to ask you this. Do you treat your money differently to other people's money? Are you more cautious with other people's money to what you are with your own? Because you understand your risk profile. You understand yeah, your yeah. aspirations. What yeah. do you do with other people's yeah. money? Different or the same? Well, generally the same. You know, I wouldn't buy them shares that I wouldn't buy for myself. But sometimes because uh, I will be – I'm not reckless with money. So it's unfair. I would do exactly the same. You know, I might sometimes take a little more risk myself than I might take for them, you know, which um, so, but but for no reason then, um, I, you know, if I do make a mistake, I don't have to sit across the table and, and say, listen, I was reckless with your money. Yeah. In fact, I was reckless with my money. But you have to be, I, I, you know, apply the exact same rules. Uh, it's It's a massive responsibility because... You can't, you know, you can't be frivolous and therefore you've got to, you've got to know what you're doing or at least be able to explain what you're doing. And, um, you know, I, I'm always in a position when we do, when I do meet clients to say, look, this is why we're doing it. This is it. Do you understand? In other words, uh, do you understand what we're doing? Because if you don't, you know, let me know. And, uh, and, and, uh, that, you know, so yeah, it's, 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 this can be stressful. It can be testing, and that's why that's why on the weekends I do the reading. That's why after a week, yes. like last week, you come back and say, "Am I still okay? You know, is it still all right to do what we're doing? Uh, can you justify? Could I get up in a court of law? You know, could I get up in front of an ombudsman, or could I get up and say this is why we did it? You know, I'm sure um, you could, David. I'm sure you're squeaky clean in that regard. And <laughs> good. Okay, just it was just a philosophical question. Now let's. There's, move there's a very there's, a, there's there's actually a testing situation now which I've got, and it's nice to share it with you. Please. There's a company I liked very much in uh, in Holland called ADM. Yeah. It was one of the. It's a payment company. And uh, it's a very interesting payment company because it's not like PayPal. It's not, you know, they they they, they would uh, they go to merchants and and have the software which allows a merchant to do many ways or or to collect many ways of payment, whether through credit card, whether through you know direct ETFs and so on. 
Um, I like them because I've, I've, I've got a great respect for, for the Dutch. I think they're very astute business people and they built some very good operations there, probably more so than anywhere else in Europe. And suddenly this company on, came out of, on, on last week and the shares dropped 30, 40%. Gosh. It was a massive, yeah, it was a massive drop. Uh, simply they were disappointing numbers, a lot, to a large extent, uh, things that slow down, but also they they insisted on pursuing their model, which is growth and and uh, you know employing people, employing more people, and building up their software. So I now have to decide. Hold on a second. I didn't have big exposure, I must admit, and I never had it in a lot of accounts. But I've now got to decide: do I go or do I double up or do I stay where I am? You know, that's the kind of risk that you have to have. And uh, so you've got to go through it and you've got to make a judgment call uh, on, on, on what to do. And those, that's where you get tested because nobody had expected the market, even though they missed their numbers, to expect a 30 to 35% drop in the share price in one day. The thing that you have here, you've got a dichotomy here because you've done your research on the company and that's why you've had a tentative a yeah. toe in the water with the thing. You say to yourself, yeah. okay, has anything changed? And you look at the numbers and you say, well, maybe not. And maybe it was just the mood of the market in the Northern Hemisphere and that's why it fell so much. On the other hand, if you're Warren Buffett, you say there's something wrong here and therefore I get out. Or you say, yes. this presents a fantastic buying opportunity that oh. I, would have, I would have taken a year ago at these prices. So which is your yeah. stance? Which one do you choose? I'm looking for the latter. I'm looking, is it an opportunity? I don't mistrust management. You know, I like management and I think they're doing the right thing. People said, are oh, you going to buy back your shares? And I said, no, we're not buying back our shares because we're using our money to expand the business, which mm. was the right answer. The problem is that, is there something structurally long? Yeah, know, in exactly. other words, is it getting harder? Is, is it does it mean that they're going to have to shrink margins in order to keep business? Those are the kind of things. You know, I like their business plan. They're uh, they're very relevant. Um, you know, they they help merchants um, in 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 the sense that um, they create the environment. You know, in, you know, for I've been into a number of places in the eBay use it. You know, eBay uses it. I think there's another. I think Uber use them. So you know, when you pay Uber, it's through their software. You pay eBay, it's through their software. And, uh, in fact, eBay, I think, dropped PayPal for them. So that's the kind of business they are behind the scenes, you know, helping people. So I've got to make that decision. And why I bring it up is almost like a case study to people listening, say, okay, what do you do? You know, what do mm. you do? You've got to make that decision. I've got to face clients. I can't. I've got to say to them, okay, this is what happened. This is what I feel. We're either going to, you know, I personally, at the back of my mind is, I want to start maybe increasing, but I just need a little more, uh, just to learn a little bit more before I go in. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to be what's the word capricious or, or uh, reckless and to say, yeah, go buy more. No. So yeah, yeah. Well, maybe, maybe a trip yeah. to the Netherlands, go and see management, and explain who you yeah. are, and they'll be impressed. I'd love to go to ASML. And you can, and you can come I'd and see me. Mm. Yeah, there's bookings. There's uh, all of these places. Yeah. Booking.com, ASM, ASML. Exactly. Yeah. 
And uh, I, think, I think Spurs' head office is here as well, as well as, obviously, uh, process. Yeah. Let's move on to more important things, and that is your weekend of football, because you did mention <laughs> it to me off-air earlier on. No, no, she said it on air. Women's World Cup. I mm. got myself into terrible trouble with my family WhatsApp group because I said Spain are going to win. And the reason I said that was because yeah. of yeah. started with Salma Paraluelo, who is a 19-year-old who was a 400-metre hurdler. She now plays for Barcelona. She had to choose between athletics and football. She chose football. And yeah. she's fast and she's skillful. England yeah. Yeah. are not fast and skillful. They're very yeah. good. But I would say that they're sort of more meaty than mm. this, this, mm. the Spanish are slim mm. and slick. And that's why I thought they were going to win. And I wasn't yep. surprised at all that they did. And I'm, I'm very sorry because I'm an Englishman, of course. But it was written in the stars that this, yeah, Spain yeah. was going to win. They were superb, I thought. They were good. They were very good. And they were very, as you say, they were very fast, a lot more creative. I think that what you find in women's football, they haven't really got the, the uh, scoring capacity. I can't explain. You know, even if you looked at the at the penalties, they were soft. You know, yeah. uh, somehow they save them. You know, they don't come and whack those things. <laughs> at a level where you just can't even see it flying past you. So I, I, I think both teams, you know, what, the one thing that you found is, yeah, there have been some very good goals, but by and large, uh, they don't score as in, they, it's not as intense as men's football. It's not as men's soccer, it's much more intense. But, and, and, and I must admit, after a while, you get a bit bored. I know, I, I yeah, I just, I, I couldn't watch league soccer. I no, couldn't watch them. Play. I agree with you. I loved this tournament. I absolutely loved the tournament. And I love the fact that the intensity, I love watching South Africa's ladies and everything. But, you know, it just hasn't got the, after a while, it just, okay. <laughs> you know, this is, this is getting a bit boring. <laughs> yeah. The example I use is that if you look at the record time for the 100 meters in athletics, men's athletics mm. in the 1950s, and then compare it to where it is now in 2023, you see that the human athlete is progressing. And I do think the women's yeah. game will progress. Physi I mean, men and women are physiologically different and that, yeah. that will never, ever change. But I do mm. think that the, the women's game will catch up, whether it be physically, mm. mentally, with skills, etc. I do think it will catch up. But at the moment, yes, it is slightly pedestrian compared to mm. the men's game, but mm. still very, very enjoyable at the highest mm. level, I think. David, I'm so glad Chelsea lost to West Ham because Todd yeah. Bowley has now spent, I think, yeah. £850 million pounds on a losing team, which gives me great, <laughs> which, which gives me great joy. My, my family are Chelsea supporters. I mean, it's oh, important. Yeah, yeah, they really are. And so it's very easy to wind them up, especially when West Ham <laughs> scored their third goal on Sunday. It was a joyous moment for me. But it just shows you money can't buy you success or class. Nah. They're they played. I tell you who played, Raheem Sterling was. Yeah, he was brilliant. For the first time, I don't know, in three years, he looked threatening again, you mm. know. And, uh, and West Ham just kept letting him come through that right channel and he could accelerate. But uh, I don't know. There was no uh, – I looked at the team and said, okay, you know, you're, you're very good at pushing the ball around, but you've got, you've got to finish these games off. You've got to score. I, no, there was nothing phenomenal about Chelsea. And West Ham, bless them, boy, they sweated and they puffed mm. and they huffed and just hung on, you know, for dear life. Good for and, them. And they knew, you know, they knew it. Yeah. But it was, it was a weekend like that. 
Um, and I, I, fortunately, I could only see the highlights of the Man U game. Uh, but apparently they never came close to living up to the expectations. Awful. Were they? They were rubbish it, against Wolves in their first yeah. game last Monday. Yeah. And they were lucky to just scrape a 1-0 victory. Yeah. And they were terrible against Spurs. And Eric Ten Hag must be careful because oh. he could, could be a goner. They were stodgy. Yeah. They, were, they were useless. Yeah. They were like, a, I don't know, yeah. like, like they Dutch food. They haven't got a great striker, hey? No. I don't think Rashford's the story. I don't think he's the answer. You know, he was very good as playing a number two striker. Uh, if he was on the wing or something, you know, where he could come in and score uh, uh, an unexpected goal. But now he is the striker. He's up front. Um, I don't know if he's going to fulfill that role. I don't know. No, he's in the I wrong, just, he's in the wrong position. And, and the wings, the wingers as well, I don't know, they make a lot of noise and make a lot of uh, – they fast. But I don't know. I, I, I also have got – my suspicions about them. Anyway, we'll see. Yes, we you don't will. want to talk like that about a Man United fan, you know? No, no, you mustn't. They get um, very sensitive. Oh, yeah, they're terrible. They're, they're delicate plants, those uh, Man United fans. <laughs> David, mm. uh, Crystal Palace Arsenal tonight. Good luck with that one. Yeah. 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 Look, it's, the league's hard. Crystal Palace are not an easy team. Yeah. Uh, Arsenal have always got the advantage or slight advantage. Not always. Um, it's you know these these are hard games. I mean, every game is hard. You can never take anything for granted. So uh, we'll see. You know, it's it's. I think that's what's nice about the league. Anything can happen. Some of the teams, Everton, were awful. Oi, you know, yeah, it's going to be a hard year for no, them. Yeah, it's a, uh, Wolves, yeah, really. Wolves. Wolves never showed anything like the form that they showed against Man United. They were terrible. Mm. So you start to worry about uh, some of those teams, you know, whether they're going to make it, whether they can. You know, Sheffield United, the same type of thing. So at the bottom, uh, you know who's going to drop down. But uh, at the top, top half. And who who's going to come up, David? Well, at the moment, Ipswich Town, three wins mm. out of three in the league, one win in the Carabao Cup. So four out of four so far on my team, Ipswich, top of the league. They're playing Leeds mm. on Saturday, and that'll be a stiff, stiff mm. test because mm. Leeds are, are still a a really, really big club and should be in the Premiership. Mm. We'll see. Anyway, David, thank you very much for your time as always. David Pleasure. Shapiro is from Sassman Securities in Johannesburg and that was Shapiro World. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.